real stories. Real stories. From real midwives. This is Head on View. Day in the life. <laughs> she said, What? These are our stories. Hello and welcome to Head on View. I'm Carly. This is Laura. So welcome to 2022. Happy Chinese New Year, uh, Year of the Tiger. I mean, it's February already and this is our first (laughs) recording of the year. So our original plan was before we broke and had a little bit of a Christmas break, we did want to do sort of a wrap up of the year, you know, what we've done and talk about what we were looking forward to next year. But as every shift worker knows, life works etc yeah it didn't happen it didn't happen and you know we don't really keep to any sort of schedule here this is just how we roll so wrapping up our last year and that's fine because a lot happened I think last year for all of us all right so run over your 2021 Laura well being a resident of Victoria in Melbourne Australia we had various lockdowns as everyone would know from my state, we had probably, I think the worst lockdown was the very end one. It was like the sixth lockdown. I think that was the worst. So there was a lot of homeschooling. There was a lot of sport cancelled activities, birthday parties, trips. My trip to Perth got cancelled, I think, three times in 2021. I'm still trying to get to Perth and visit my family. Oh my God, don't even get me started. I'll break out in hives and get mad. And then, yeah, Christmas was nice. I didn't have to work Christmas Day, so that was not like really nice. My hubby was able to come over from Tassie because I hadn't seen him in six months. And yeah, Christmas was just really chill and nice. And then I think sort of Christmas and New Year was when travel between states in Australia was becoming really sort of hectic and disorganized with testing. The lines to get tested over here in Victoria were so long and it caused my husband a huge deal of stress to try and get back to Tassie to work. So we ended up leaving three days earlier. It was horrible just because his test was, it was just a mess. It was a fucking mess and it was so stressful. And yeah. And then that was it. Like my year was really just full of lockdowns and drinking and tears and homeschooling. (laughs) Yeah. And then job wise, you also changed job, didn't you? Changed hospitals in September. And I moved from my previous hospital to a tertiary hospital in Melbourne. And I left for a bunch of different reasons, but we won't go into that. I was a little bit apprehensive because it's tertiary and I hadn't worked in tertiary as a midwife and I was a little bit worried and like people like me because I'm a pretty outspoken person and I swear a lot. So this is probably not just sort of midwifery, nursing related, but but all job related. You know, when you work in a place for a little while and you get really comfortable with the yeah. people and you get comfortable how things are done there and it gets really and it's not necessarily a sense of loyalty to the place, but you, it just gets hard to leave because you get so comfortable. To be honest, they're used to me. There's yeah. a few there's a few midwives who sort of stare at me in an odd way or I'm too loud for them or I'm too outspoken, you know, things like that. But that's not a hospital thing. That's not personality. I think making the jump sometimes can be a little bit scary and a bit like, oh. My first day in the new hospital, I was on the ward and I was shitting bricks. I was so scared because I did my placement at this hospital and I did not like placement there. 
And I always said to myself, I'm never going to work there. And here I am working there and I love it. Yes, it's challenging. But you know, one of the things I've noticed is like clinically, I'm a better midwife. And it's like that little meme saying, I don't know, you know, we ha- there's that little circle and it's like, this yeah. is your comfort zone and this is where change happens, like yeah. outside yeah. the circle. And yeah. I think that goes for everyone. You just need to sometimes pull your bloody bootstraps or whatever that saying is up and be yeah. like, yeah. fuck, I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the, oh, your britches. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm going to make the jump. That's what's made me better as a midwife clinically I'm better because I'm challenged more because the work is harder Mm. and the patients are more acutely unwell or obstetrically it's a higher tertiary level care but at the same time I think that I was still a good clinical midwife you don't have to be clinical but I was good at clinical decisions in my other hospital but this hospital has made me because I took that jump And now in Melbourne, you guys are in a code brown, which I think has not happened prior to this. I don't think it happened for a long time. It's basically like a surge workforce. So they're basically saying that all the rules are out the window. If you have leave, we encourage you not to take it. If you are a nurse or a midwife that has retired recently, we encourage you to pick back up your registration and come back and work with us. Your ratios during the day have increased. The staffing shortages are accepted and we're encouraged to pick up shifts, do double and work beyond our scope of practice. That's a joy. That That's knowing that this is what you're walking into in the healthcare system. I've probably divulged on a few of those, but that's <laughs> what it feels like. Okay. Pre-Code Brown, post-Code Brown, have you actually noticed a difference to your working life or does it feel like the same? It still feels like a shitstorm. No, it feels like a bigger shitstorm that won't go away. It's funny where they go, all these stuff. I mean, where are these staff magically coming from? It's the same amount of staff. And a midwife said to me the other day, she said, it's not like the Code Brown. We've dealt with it really well and it's not really had an effect on us. But here's the thing. If you're given a fifth or sixth patient during the day, are you allowed to decline? No. I can't say, well, I already have two day one Caesars, three really obstetrically difficult antenates, ones, you know, this. And you can't turn around and say, I don't want that Caesar. You're expected to do it. You're told to do it. You're told you're getting another admission and I'm sorry. That's it. Yeah, it's no disrespect to the ANUMs that are in charge. They're just doing their job. You know, and the the place where I work at, the ANUMs go over and above helping you. They really try and help you. But we're at capacity at the moment where we don't get breaks. We're told to take a quick break. Go take a quick break. I now have to like take mask breaks. I have to say, I'm sitting down for two minutes to drink water and take my mask off. Because if I don't, what'll happen is what happened to me a few weeks ago where I fainted in the tea room. I still worked. You know what? I got better and I still went and did my fucking shift. (laughs) Oh, what a hero. Because I didn't want to let the midwives down. I felt terrible. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. It may sound like we're laughing and making light of this, but honestly, if you work within this, you have to, because otherwise it just, honestly, it gets so much that you feel like you're going to have a breakdown so you've got to find a humor in it because that's that's how we survive and this sounds really bad 
but and it's going to sound bad and people who listen to it might be like what the hell did she just say but you know like we have to get our covid booster shots right yeah okay so that's fine we were told to get all sorts of vaccines in our work i have no issue with that but i planned my booster shot because i became so sick from the other two i planned my booster shot the day before i had a few days like a heavy roster coming up because i knew that i would get paid special leave if I came became sick because of the booster and that was the only time I could have to decompress you don't want to waste your two precious days off feeling sick because you're yeah. getting a mandated booster sick and I thought oh maybe I won't get sick and it'll this will backfire on me but no I got the usual nausea vomiting unwell and it goes away and that's fine but I just thought to myself well oh, this is a terrible way of me trying to get a break this is your life now. This is, this is my life now. I hope that other states don't get to the point where they're having to do this, or at least other states are learning from the big states, you know, how not to do it. Working down in Tassie, and now it was very COVID-free. When I came here in March last year, March 21, it was very untouched with COVID, very life normal, no masks. So it was just like normal. So it was great. I loved it working here. But now since the borders have opened, and it's definitely not at the same situation as Melbourne, but I think because the workforce here is so much smaller, we're definitely feeling it. I've worked in Melbourne and I've seen what they've done. It just feels like some of the things, um, how have you not learned and how have you not watched at what these other states have done and gone, okay, this is what they did really poorly. Let's do this differently because we seem to be doing all the same stuff down here that we were initially doing in Melbourne at the start, you know, at the start of the pandemic when no one really knew what was going on. We hadn't ever really had to work to this sort of scale. Or all this waste of time on contact tracing. Yes, yes. Well, they've stopped doing it now. But they're doing it in Perth, where my family they were doing here all the same things that they were doing in Melbourne at the start. Maybe this state should talk and say, this was really shit, don't do this. Our states are always pitting themselves against each other. Every time the news is on, we're the first state to do this. Not just like, oh, we're doing this. It's a really good idea. Maybe other states should do it. It's more like, well, we're the first ones to do this. All right. Maybe there should be more cohesion and maybe there is somewhere at some level. But I think down on the, the ground, sounds like a, I don't know, down on the ground, we are not seeing it. <laughs> I really want to punch politicians in their head. But I hope they listen to this. I hope someone in their family gets them to listen to this and actually hears what the fuck do we actually think. If they say thank you to me one more time, I'm going to punch them. I'm going to tip punch them. I'm going to dick punch them. I'm going to do something. It makes me so mad. I don't want you to say thank you to me. Give me a raise. Give me more money. Give me give me $10,000. Then I'll be happy. I'll be like, okay, you're actually awarding me for working two and a half years through this ridiculous pandemic, homeschooling, and not being able to travel more than five kilometers from my home, not being able to do anything. No, no, I just get, oh, thank you. And we know it's hard. No, you don't. You don't know. You don't know. Uh, You're a politician. You get earn five hundred thousand dollars a year sitting in your office making poor decisions. That sounds like something my ten year old could do. Is it looking like there is an end in sight for you? It's how it is, and I think it will just become a faded news story over Mm. time because something else will take over, and 
what will happen is less and less people will give a shit. People will start to ignore rules and do what they want and carry on. And it will just become, there will be some other news story that will pop up and become this, the thing that you hear about when you turn on the Do you think this is going to make you leave the profession or maybe leave sooner? Or is it just like, um, no, I can keep keep going? I thought it would until I moved hospitals and I realized that, that yes, there are hospitals. There are direct line managers who actually care about their staff. There are people out there that really care. It's made me reconsider how much work I should be doing in the industry as opposed to how much time I should be spending with my family. It hasn't made me want to leave midwifery, but it's made me sort of think, well, if this is a profession that's needed and people, they really need people in the profession right now, then I get to choose where I want to work and what I want to do. And more consider your work-life balance. Yeah, which I don't think I did the last two years. I think I just sort of survived. So this year I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not picking up extra shifts. I'm thinking of dropping my hours and concentrating on my own private LC business, which I've started doing a little bit more of and just, you know, slowly making my own decisions and not letting a hospital. Yeah. So as this is our podcast and we can do whatever we like, I would say give give your LC business a plug, Laura. <laughs> Tell people what you're offering. <laughs> I know, right? So I've started doing my private LC stuff. I've seen a number of clients now at home. Okay, so is this like is this face to face? Is this via Zoom? What do you offer? All face to face. I haven't done a Zoom thing yet. I haven't offered telehealth because all my clients have been within driving distance and within time capacities has been fine for me. So antenatal postnatal are you open to all realms all antenatal postnatal i'm seeing a woman this friday who's only bottle fed and now wants to breastfeed Mm -hmm. so all sorts of different things i've seen people in same-sex relationships a single mom all sorts of different people i don't care as long as if you want to breastfeed or if you want to at least learn how to breastfeed even like i do a little helping with like early parenting techniques and is there any sort of common themes or problems that you're seeing come up or are you finding it's all very... It's, yeah, a myriad of different things. But I think the most common theme is I don't have enough milk. And are we talking sort of one week post-birth or like a month post-birth? What, anywhere from one to three weeks postpartum. Okay. Yeah. So that's like the most common theme I'm seeing, which tells me women have are either not educating themselves or they've completely lost faith in their bodies or they don't know what their body can do. A lot of what I'm doing at the moment privately is education. The mm-hmm. baby's actually breastfeeding fine, <laughs> but it's education. If they're thinking they're not having enough, is it more because their baby's losing weight or their baby's just really unsettled? Usually so, unsettled. I've got right. one that was dropping weight, but then gaining it, but then dropping it. When I looked into her history, it was more to do with her. She had convinced herself she needed to express as well as something else. And she there was all sorts of things going on. But it's it's usually unsettled babies. It's usually normal newborn behavior. It's a lot of mums who don't understand why their baby's being fussy and why their baby's taking so long to go to the breast. 
I've definitely noticed the difference in terms of when you're in a public system, after two nights, two or three nights normally, you're boom out the door. So for a lot of these ladies, their milk's not in. Here they're leaving before 24 hours. Oh, it's like 24 hours plus a few hours. And we're wondering, and we're wondering why people are having problems because they don't, they've got no support to help them. Yeah. Zero support. So I'll do a phone consult with them mm-hmm. first just to figure out what's all going. And my phone consults are free. I've spoken to a mum before and I didn't need to see her. That's fine. Where can they find you? Well, I've just registered myself on what's called the LCANS website. That's L-C-A-N-Z or Z if you're American. And that's a list of all lactation consultants in Australia. Most people find me on my Instagram, a lot of word of mouth. And what's the name? What's the name? The name is of my Instagram is the sweetest drop. And there's like an underscore between sweetest and drop. I'll drop it in the show notes. It's literally word of mouth. But if someone, for example, who was interstate wanted to see you, do you have the option you can do this via Zoom or something? Zoom, yep, definitely. Okay, cool. Good to know. Yeah. I'm a wealth of knowledge, I've been told. (laughs) Any other plans? I just got some casual work at a private hospital as an LC. So my plans are to drop my hours at my main hospital and pick up casual hours at the private hospital and do my own private stuff on the side. So sort of, I want to be able to pick and choose according to my lifestyle a little bit more. Even though my kids are older, they like, I feel like they need more attention. Maybe it's just me. But it's nice to have the option. Enough about myself. Okay, so Maya, so I think everyone, if you kind of are an OG listener, you would know I had a massive, massive change. So I was over in Melbourne Lockdown, lockdown, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to discuss that because everyone knows awful. And I had always, like a lot of people probably, had had always sort of, oh, I'd love to travel Australia. Oh, one day, one day we'll do this. One day, one day, one day, one day. And when you're locked in your house for long enough, you just get to the point where you're just like, fuck it. You know what? One day, one day is now, now day. Now is one day. So we, yeah, we just would, yeah, just decide that's it. Our actual plan was to kind of go up the New South Wales coast because beaches and kind of good climates. And that that was my plan. It was like, okay, well, let's just head down to Tassie for a quick three-week holiday, head up the coast, find a house, buy a house, boom, done, relocate. That was our plan. And then so packed up our house. Mostly there was a little bit around, but we were like, it's okay. We're just heading over to Tassie for three weeks. We can come back, finish up. Three weeks, three weeks I've been here nearly a year. What the hell? Came down to Tassie for a three-week holiday. And after a couple of weeks, so I'm with my husband and we're like, actually, you know, this is pretty cool. We're liking it here. And I was like, for sure, for sure I could find some work here. So I had decided. So I was also a little bit apprehensive because I'd, you know, quit all my jobs. My husband had quite a successful business and he kind of, I mean, he'd had to close that down a lot anyway due to not being able to work uh, with lockdowns. So he kind of shut his business. And, you know, we're at the point and I was like, fuck, you know, we've we've made ourselves unemployed and homeless intentionally. And he was like, oh, yeah, but you said you'll get work. There's heaps of work. And I was like, yeah. And in my head, I was like, I'm sure there is heaps of work. Like I've, I have contacted agencies and made sure there is heaps of work. But the reality of all of a sudden not having a job does make you a little bit nervous and think 
especially if you've always been employed or you've always had work yeah Yeah. is this gonna be the worst decision of my life or the best decision anyway so holiday fine we think we're loving Tassie great I call my agency and say is there any work down here maybe something for eight weeks for me eight weeks seems like a good amount of time to, to do a contract because I figure if I hate it you know you can put up with it for eight weeks it's not too long and then if you love it, well, that's great. There's always offer to extend. Agency found somewhere, great. But then we're like, right, now we're going to have enough eight weeks. So my hubby said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to fly back, pack up the last of our house. There's not much of, and then we can just put it on the market, done, boom. So that's great. He flies back and he's kind of just in a week, just tried to clear all our stuff out, sold stuff, chuck stuff, chuck some stuff in a storage unit, which is all great until we're getting to the point now. And I'm like, do you know where our passports are? <laughs> so our passports are in some storage facility somewhere in some box. I mean, I am sure that he saw that as an important box and that was not a box that ended up in the skip. Let's, <laughs> we'll never know until we get there and I scour through, but I'm sure it's fine. Whatever, it's. I'm pretty chill about these things. You can't find your passport. We just get new ones, like exactly, exactly. So I've been down in Tassie, and have just extended, extended, extended contract, which has been great because I've been working down here. I've been loving it. It's been a nice introduction to travel midwifery slash nursing, and there is there is so much work. It just it got to the point though. It was easy to stay here because we always knew we had our car, so we were going to have to go back through Victoria. Victoria and Victoria was going in and out of lockdown so much. States were opening, closing their borders. We have traversed the whole state up, down, north, south, east, coast, west, the whole thing. We've seen a lot and it's been great. And once the international borders opened, that was pretty exciting. So we have booked tickets to go overseas later in the year. That's only when I started thinking, hmm, where are our passports? <laughs> So we'll do that. And it's been great working down here. There was an unfortunate incident that did happen down here around Christmas, but I think we will discuss that on another podcast because it's quite a big thing to unpack. And it's not something that I feel we can quickly sort of delve into. So we will leave that for another time. Nursing has been amazing. And we'll travel midwifery, really. It's not really nursing. There's a lot of work. I think anyone who's thinking about doing this, do it, do it, do it, <laughs> do it, do it. I've loved it. And just so if you've got small children, I mean, I would love to do travel mid, but mm. I just can't because my kids, you know, my son's in year nine and, you know, Abigail, my daughter, she's in year year five. I think about that. <laughs> I think it's harder as they get older to move them. Up. So I think if you're like what Carly's saying, awesome do it even if you have small kids take them with you they don't fucking care yeah so a lot of people take them with and i because i'm traveling with my husband so that's sort of one of my stipulations with my agency i say i need because most of the time they will try and put you in shared accommodation because let's be real hospitals they want to save money and i always say look i'm traveling with my husband bit weird if we have to share like it's that's not my vibe so i just put that when i saw my agent i say great can we have private accommodation for couples? And look, I'll be honest, the accommodation has varied. So in this 10 months, I think we've moved six times because I have 
I know. I've moved six times. I feel like your background is always the same, though. It's always like these white covers. Yeah, that's just like standard, standard in us, I don't know, hospital accommodation. Yeah. And because I, you know, normally if you agree to length of a contract, they will say, okay, there for eight weeks. Great. You're here. But because we have extended multiple times, obviously, you know, the accommodation, you know, they can't just hold it indefinitely. So we have moved and and the accommodation levels have varied. So we've had like beautiful, like three bedroom house. I mean, just for the two of us, lots of room, which is nice when you've kind of, and other times, you know, we've been literally living out of one room with no separate bedroom. So when we got to move into a three bedroom house, we were like, oh, this is amazing. We can have a bit of space. But then I'd always be like, wait, where are you? Because I'm used to being able to just turn my head and see you all the time. Yeah. And, you know, at one point they put us up in this quite swanky hotel because they had nowhere else to put us. And how are you finding in terms of the work? Do you think where you're working now, because I, from what you told me, it's quite different to where you've worked in Melbourne. Do you think it's set you up to be more adaptable? Yes, I think definitely. So I had come from a public system. I think for myself, I'm not a person who can just work in the same place because I get a bit bored and I get a bit like, this is very tedious. So even when I had my regular job in Melbourne at the public hospital, I had probably about four or five different side jobs that I would do as well. I think that helped the travel nursing because I wasn't so set in, this is the only place I've worked and this is what we do and this is how we do it. So I was already quite adaptable, in fact, going into new places and going, okay, this is how you do it. So at the moment, my contract's in a private hospital, which has huge differences from a public hospital. I guess one of the things that I found a little bit harder to adapt to was in a public hospital, you have your set policies. So this is it. No matter what you do, this is your policy. And that's pretty much the same for everyone. Whereas in the private, there's maybe five, six, seven, I'm not even sure how many different doctors operate there. There's a few different doctors and each doctor will have the way they like to do things. If you were like having an induction and in the public, our policy would be like, okay, this is how you do it. You start on this level and you go up by 12 every half an hour. And then when you come here, every doctor will have their own way. So some doctor will say, okay, this is how much you want it. And I go up by 10 meals every half an hour. Or someone else will go, no, start at 40 and go up at 20. And, it's, and just it was like, whoa. When I first did something, I was like. I only yeah. see a glimpse of it working in my hospital because yeah. we didn't have private patients. Mm. And I, I had a, a doctor, what lovely, lovely private consultant, who, who said to me, I called her up to, to ask her something. She's like, oh, why are you asking me this? If she's got a low blood pressure, just put up fluids and then give me a call. And I was mm. like, well, because the last private OB, like, chewed my ear off because I didn't call them. Oh, okay. I'm like, oh, God, I don't know if I could work in private. I think it's like anywhere. You get to know how people work and what they do. So like you're saying, in the public system, it's generally, and I can't talk for all public systems, but for where I work, generally it's very midwifery-led. So unless a woman high risk or there was an issue with the pregnancy, quite often they probably wouldn't even really see a doctor at all. It would all be midwifery and you would sort of make all the decisions around her labour and not the decisions but in the consultation with the woman, obviously. It's not a dictatorship. And you would only call the doctors in sort of if you needed assistance or help, whereas here I need to call the doctor and say, okay, this is what I think. Yeah. 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 How are you feeling about that? And I think one of the hardest things I've found is if you're with someone 
throughout a whole labour and you're with them and you're getting them through and you're like, great. And then, you know, you, the baby's head's on you and then you're like, okay, I better call the doctor. And then you just start, sort of have to stand aside like a little assistant. I was just very confused what I'm meant to be doing. Some of the doctors are, are happy for you because you're there already. You've built this relationship up yeah. with the woman. But obviously some of the women, you know, chosen this doctor and they want them there to help them birth their baby. And I think the longer I've stayed here, I've worked out who likes what, who who likes to be called at this time and kind of how things roll there. And I guess if you were only there for eight weeks, it might be a little bit harder. Same as with any job, you know, if you're only there for a short time, you're like, okay, fine. And then I move on. In terms of your 2022, we're talking about like, what are we going to do? So obviously we're going to have to plan our podcast, Carly. So 2022, in terms of our working lives, what do you see happening for you? I am going to keep traveling. My initial plan to kind of just move and settle on the coast and buy a house. Now that's sort of gone out the door. We, at the moment, we're just enjoying not having to be, I don't know, like a set locked plan anywhere. It's kind of nice going, I don't know where I'm going to be next week. Let's see what comes up. I have started a blog which is not I haven't sort of officially published it yet but I'm starting a blog called the traveling midwife and really it's going to sort of talk about my experiences as being a travel midwife sort of you know how to deal with agencies how to pick jobs what to do but then also like all the cool things you see like all the you know travel recommendations just kind of all encompassing everything really that I'm doing on the road that's kind of fun doing that just to sort of share my experiences and and I'm just going to keep on taking travel contracts and I think I will kind of go between what one pays the most and sound really cool that's really nice I've I've said to you before god I'd love to do it hopefully I can meet you somewhere Yeah, no, definitely. But it feels nice to sort of look at all the options and go, okay, you know what? So right now, because we know we're going overseas or in a few months, at the moment, we're just like furiously saving. So I'm just going, okay, where pays the most? (laughs) Let's just work on where pays the most. But I've seen some other ones. You know, I saw this job come up in Port Douglas and they're like, oh, I put you up in the resort. And I was like, and it was just doing like COVID swabbing or vaccinations or something and I was like okay but you get put up in the bloody Port Douglas resort and you can use all their facilities well that sounds nice and then there was another one in Early Beach so ones like that where you know they sound pretty cool I would be not willing to take you know bottom basement pay but I'd probably be looking at the lifestyle there so yes it might not pay top top dollar but you're I'm still at the end I'm still earning more than I did when I was working in a public system. For those midwives listening that I think are maybe not keen on doing the traveling thing or they've got kids my age or maybe they've got like elderly parents or they just don't want to leave the state they're in I think one of the best things to do to sort of mimic what you're doing, but still attract a better paycheck, because let's be honest, if you work full time in one place, you ain't getting the monies. No, you are. You are not. Like I was pretty much living paycheck to paycheck and that is not how I envisioned my life. So you've got to start. I picked up the casual work at St. V's because I will actually get more money if I drop my hours, my permanent hours at my what I'm calling my base hospital like where I'm based Mm. and pick up two shifts a week two shifts a week at casually at a private place 
I will actually get more money. And then, but also with agency. So I don't, I know at the start of COVID, so I was doing a lot of agency in Melbourne and that was not contract. So that was just ad hoc shifts. So I would literally say to my agency, oh, I can work Friday and great. And they'd be like, great, there's a shift here. And, you know, you might. Even if you do casual, even if you get into, if you want a private hospital and I've got myself on the casual books and they really need me as an LC and I can say I can do two days a week and then I'll slowly get to the point where my aim is to see two people a week privately. But how is that going now working across different, because I know I had to stop the agency when I was in Melbourne because they said we can't have midwives or nurses working across different places. My private hospital, I had to talk to them and because the hospital I'm at now is a COVID streaming hospital, so we get COVID positive women, antenates and postnates. If I was working directly with COVID positive women, I would not pick up shifts. Are facilities more open now for... You should be working across different hospitals. I think they're a little bit more open. So pre-COVID, there was never an issue. I could pick up sort of four agency shifts a week and be work, work at a different hospital every day and then go back to my regular hospital or one of my other side jobs and that was never an issue. If you are kind of thinking about dipping your toe in travel midwifery slash nursing, you don't have to, you know, pack up your house and go on the road and do all that. You can just take, there's contracts that are as short as one week, two weeks, you know. You can just go, okay, I'm just going to go for two weeks and see what it's like and then come back. So the ward I'm on has takes sometimes overflow surgical patients and I haven't had that much nursing experience. So I'm quite happy to put my hand up when they go, oh, this one's got all these drat and I'm just like, sorry, you're going to have to talk me through this. Just show me what I need to do exactly so I know because I haven't done this before. And I'm, you know, quite happy to put my hand up. And if something seems way out, I'm just like, no, sorry, I this is this is not for me. I can't do this because it feels unsafe. There's really, there's so many options. Once you get past that hump of being a grad and you're like, yeah. maybe like three years out and you're finding your feet. And definitely good to, you know, have all your certificate, like have your NINAS, have your FSEP, make sure you can cannulate, make sure you can vein and puncture, just those basic, basic skills. Carly told me a very interesting thing about who our followers are. I'm not sure if anyone is interested apart from us, but it's kind of cool. So Carly, take us through our listeners. Yeah. So for those that know, our podcast has only been going about a year. So we started it in between one of the lockdowns. We sort of had drinks at my house. It was at the start of 2021. It was in between lockdowns and we could have people to our house. I think you could have like five people or something. I can't remember. All the rules changed. So the girls came around and we were just like, we need to do something. And Laura's like, let's start a podcast. Yeah, let's start a podcast. And so we started it. And, and you know, our initial attention was like, yeah, we'll put one out each week. But of course, when you've got three hosts who and Penny is around but I feel like her life is seems to be a lot more I don't know (laughs) busy we are fine with her dropping in when she can three people all on shift work all on shift work so you're all on different rosters as well it gets kind of near impossible to to meet once a week and that's fine like I feel it's sort of like source surprise like whoa are they going to drop a podcast this week is it going to be is it is the podcast going to be released at 3am on a Tuesday morning or like 5pm on a Friday afternoon who knows random and you know it's, it's just when we can fit it in and this was always just like a little fun hobby for us I think we're just going to keep on rolling that way anyhow 
for people that care, obviously our most popular country where we're listening to, Australia, because that's where we're based. Second most popular, US. I don't know. That's where Laura's from. Maybe she's got some fans. Our third most popular country, Germany. My husband's half German. I don't know, but it's kind of cool. And I would just quickly run down these countries where we are being streamed just because we think it's cool and fun. So the UK, Canada, Ireland, Latvia, Austria, Switzerland, Singapore, India, Netherlands, Israel, and the Philippines. Like, how cool is that? We just started this little podcast. Isn't um, that one of the ones I find really interesting? Is yeah. Latvia. Really? Latvia. Maybe between all of us, especially you and I, Carly, we've got friends everywhere. I do have friends in the US that know about this podcast. They're listening to it or they're telling their friends. I don't know, maybe. But it's kind of fun that someone in Latvia is listening to it. Put this out there. I don't think it's the dulcet sounds of our voice. <laughs> anyway, drop us a message. Say hi. Tell us what yeah. you want to, tell us why you're listening or, or what you want to hear. We, we're pretty much open to sort of talking about anything and, and everything and just yeah. down with discussing life. So I, we're up for it all. Yeah, I've got so I some guess, ideas this year, Carly. I've got some ideas. Plans for the potty. Actually, I was thinking that we might sort of change up our intro a little bit. I recorded that intro as a bit of a joke. It was a bit of a joke, and sometimes when I listen to it, I'm like, oh, it's a bit cringy. Like I like the music, so so we might change up the intro to sound a bit more, a bit more profesh. Not that we are in any sense of the word professionals, but we'll see. But if anyone has any ideas, yeah. Of anything they want to hear or listen to. Or even if you want to come on, you don't need to be talking about anything in particular. We're happy to chat to anyone, really, on on any any subject. So I think it's really interesting. I think it's really great that our listeners span across the world. And, oh, we have a top podcast too, don't we? Oh, our top podcast, shout out to the girls from Making a Midwife. So their episode is our most listened to episode. That's crazy. I mean, not crazy. I remember that episode. I'm guessing they've got a hell of a lot more followers than we have. So that's why. Maybe because they're students or I don't know, they know other people. But I think they are a lot more organized. I remember looking at their podcast and thinking, how are these girls who are students, mums, how are they getting out a podcast every week? And getting some really cool guests. I was like, yeah, I saw that as well. And I was like, how are they doing that? kudos to them for being more organized this year I'd like to get some grads on I'd like to pick up topics that maybe other people don't normally talk about when it comes to midwifery so I wouldn't mind delving into a few interesting things this year I'll keep you guys updated on everywhere I'm going and uh, and everywhere I'm not going hey peace out we're out bye and be sure to tune in next time for more laughs thrills and real stories from real midwives on Head On View.